0: So I have a sharing this morning that's relatively simple. This week I learned two new Rudin stories, um, and Rudin stories always make me happy. So I really was um, grateful to find these, um, these two new stories. And I love these stories because there's always some sort of twist in them that if you contemplate it, um, <laughs> it's useful information and how easy it is for these humans us uh, to go astray if you don't know who Nasruddin um, is he is a um, sort of trickster character or wise fool character from the Sufi tradition and there are many short stories around about him I actually want to start with one that if you've um, heard of Nasruddin before, you've likely heard this story. This is probably the most famous Nasruddin story. I share it again because one, it fits with the other two in terms of looking specifically at mindfulness practice and two, just because it's so good. (laughs) So in this first story, there were some people coming home late at night and they saw Nasruddin on the street, and he was down on all fours under a streetlight looking for something. And they came up to him and say, said, "Miss Rudin, have you lost something? And he said, yes, I've lost my keys. And they said, would you like us to help you look? And he said, yes, please. And so, you know, everyone's down on all fours looking for the keys. No one can find them. So they look at Ness Rudin and say, "Miss Rudin, are you sure you lost them here? And he said, no, I think I lost him back in my house, but the light's better here. So, considering this story for us, what have you lost that's actually at home, meaning here, that you keep looking for out there because the light's easier? Like, really pause for a moment and let yourself know what are some ways you're looking, you're trying to find something in a place where you know it won't be found. We all do this. This is simply that survival part of the brain trying to kick in and help, where it's actually not all of that helpful. So an example might be, I'm really stressed and I go get something to eat because I'm really stressed. Um, um, I think food will solve that inner tension. And there is the reality that, you know, we, we do these things because we get something out of it. I'm, I'm eating and I, I get some immediate something that, that takes the edge off in some way. But in the long run, I know, one, I haven't actually dealt with my stress and two, I've eaten when my body didn't need it. And so that that compounds and aggravates the stress. Or have you ever found yourself, you know, like feeling a little uneasy, not real sure of the moment? And so you're kind of scanning through the phone, like maybe that next email will will help, or that next text, or that next news story article, or that next Facebook um, post. Like I'm always kind of looking there and it's not showing up um, what I want. So I have to keep going. Or another one that's interesting to think about is when we get caught in ruminating in the mind. Like we run things over and over and over, kind of like endlessly looping for a fix to the whole pandemic when actually that's not what I'm capable of doing. What I'm capable of doing is learning how to live with this moment and bring my attention to what needs my care in the moment instead of my mind thinking I can solve the world's problem if I just think enough about it. So that's that's the first Rudin story. Um, letting yourself consider ways you look for the keys to your home where you know they aren't. Two new Nasruden stories. So on another occasion, um, Nasruddin was visited by an old friend from his childhood village, and the friend brought a chicken as a gift. So Nasruddin asked his wife to cook the chicken, and she served this beautiful meal of chicken and rice and vegetables. The guest said this was the most delicious meal he had ever had, and he and Nasruddin passed a very pleasant evening in conversation. The guest went back to his village, and he proclaimed that Nasruddin was the best host ever. So the next night, someone else comes and knocks on Nasruddin's door. Nasruddin opens the door, and someone he doesn't know is standing there, and he says, I am the friend of your childhood friend. And was like, come in. And serves him a meal of a rich um, broth, leftover a uh, soup, leftover from the chicken meal the night before, and they have a pleasant night. The friend goes back to the village, and he says, "Yes, <laughs> Mess Rudin is a good host." Next night, knock on the door. Mess Rudin opens the door. Someone's standing there. I am the friend of the friend of your childhood friend. And Nasruddin invites him in and serves a kind of thin broth, but a soup. Um, They visit pleasantly, and the friend goes out. The next night, knock. uh, And Nasruddin opens the door. I am the friend of the friend of the friend of your childhood friend. And Nasruddin, always hospitable, invites him in and serves a dinner of warm, a bowl of warm water. And by this time, the guest goes, what's this? And Nasrudin says, it is the soup of the soup of the soup of the chicken. So for me, as soon as I heard this story, I'm just like instantly came into my mind a memory of a rut, a particular practice rut I got into a number of years ago. It was when at first I thought I had kind of reached this sweet spot in practice that I was sitting and it was kind of pleasant to sit and it didn't involve much effort and it was kind of like calm um, go. And I, I kept, you know, going in this way and little by little, the, even though the practice didn't seem to ask a whole lot um, of me, that pleasantness sort of started drifting and then it got to the place where I finally one day I realized I'm just bored, <laughs> bored in this practice. Um, and what I finally got conscious to, was that I was trying to get by on my old effort. And I was, in fact, just drifting through it right now, which is basically trying to eat the soup of the soup of the soup of the chicken and not show up in in a fresh, nourishing way. So if we want our practice to be alive, if we want it to be full, if we want it to be nourishing with a nourishing force. we actually have to feed it. We have to tend to it and care for it. Um, and that we have to do that particularly in this culture that um, this kind of practice is like canoeing upstream. This is not what we are um, surrounded with in our culture. A not a non-supportive way of this, this way of, of being. So this means I really have to be intentional with how I engage my practice. I need to sit with others. I need to share with others. Emily named doing the course. I need things like that, that bring kind of a new life and a new energy. There are times I need to connect with a particular teacher or, or have a book that particularly supports or a practice friend. Um, When I'm bringing all of those kind of elements to the table, then it is like that rich, nourishing first chicken meal, eaten in good company. So the last Nasruden story. So Nasruden was invited to a party by some wealthy patrons. Um, when the night of the party came, he dressed in his usual tattered robe and shabby turban and showed up at the door. His host, startled by his appearance, turned him away, shut the door in his face, said, no, you you, you cannot come here. So Nasruddin went down the road to another friend's house, um, another wealthy patron, and he borrowed very rich, lavish robes and a nice turban. And he went back. This time the door was flung wide open to him and he came into the party. So a little while later, some of the guests noticed that Nasruddin was sitting by himself in the corner talking to his sleeve and dropping food into his sleeve. Um, So one of them came up and um, um, heard Nasruddin actually say, and this is for you, as he put it in the sleeve, and this is for you, as he put it in the sleeve. And the guest said, what's the meaning of this? Why are you doing this, Nasruddin? Nasruddin said, it is only right that I should do this. After all, it is the robe and the turban who were really invited here, not me. Um, it's just the straightforward level, great story. There is this um, beautiful shift that can happen when I see below my biases, below my expectations of others into the gift of any person actually standing in front of me. Um, see beyond the, the quote-unquote clothing, But in terms of personal practice, like we're with the theme of this, I think it's really helpful to consider this this for personal practice as well. We sometimes get confused by wanting our practice to show up like the guest decked out in all of the finery. If I'm not having the right kind of practice experience today of calm or ease or peace, um, or whatever teaching I'm listening to doesn't quite have enough sparkle um, to hold me, um, or I just don't like me that I'm showing up, then I can be just like that host. Uh, and when we do, when we're like the host, we're actually kicking ourselves out of the banquet. Um, We're not kicking someone else out, we're kicking us out of the banquet when we're expecting us to show up in, in, in the finery and don't want the whole real story. Or if we're having that practice that is like the finery, I mean, it is sweet and beautiful and all of that then we start to confuse that finery for what it's supposed to be. We don't see underneath the clothes to the whole experience of being human that is gonna have those moments sometimes, and other times it will be different. So not confusing finery of practice for true deep essence, which has the whole story here. For me, all three of these stories point to useful qualities that um, are really helpful if we keep in mind looking for the keys to our home where they are, not where it's just easier to look. Keep bringing fresh offerings to the table to keep the practice alive, rich, and nourishing. And always looking for the deepest essence of of practice not getting caught up in the need for fancy clothing that can be so alluring at times. I don't know why this quote, I mean, it doesn't fit exactly, but it's a quote that's been with me this week, and it sits um, for me with these three stories. Um, This is from Abraham Heschel, Um, beautiful quote that I want to close with. Self-respect is the fruit of discipline. A sense of dignity grows with an ability to say no to oneself. So how do we use that to help bring us home? Let's sit for just a moment. Whatever was useful in the sharing this morning, this time together. Allow yourself to touchstone that. Allow yourself to feel how you can let that be of service for your life for this upcoming week. May I have compassion and understanding for myself, just as I am. Willingness to accept with wholeheartedness the fullness of being human, just as it is. May all beings everywhere, near and far, big and small, seen and unseen, have this joy and freedom, compassion and understanding for ourselves and each other, just as we are. Thank you. Thank you.